Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see everybody tonight. Another wonderful day to serve God. Good time every time to live for the Lord. I'm thankful that God called and chose me and set my feet on the right path. And I'm looking forward to growing in Him and and uh, growing His kingdom. And uh, you know, I was in town yesterday, and uh, I'm not—I don't live here, but. I've been trying to come up here, have reasons to come up here more often, and and uh, while I was in the grocery store, buying a bunch of flour and sugar, and uh, started talking to a man in line, and, and uh, another man was over, listening to our conversation, so then he talked to me out in the parking lot, you know, and, and I started thinking, you know, it's good to come to the community where your church is and just spend a little time, and you'll run into people, and I've got both their phone numbers and and uh, all that so you know, they live right around here and different things and then I talked to a man today that they sent from I had to call Tulsa and then they sent me to a number in Houston Texas and then they sent a guy out to work on the machine and when he showed up today he's from Chelsea so uh, it was kind of a redundant deal that was sticking in my head as you know that uh, it's not that hard to witness to people or talk to people because, you know, God will send them along and you don't really have to struggle that much with with them finding you, really, sometimes. You just make yourself available. And uh, and uh, I think God has big plans for us, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching this place grow and watching us grow as individuals. And that's why we're here tonight is to grow and to know what God has for us and his purpose and his will for our lives, which is to grow his kingdom, and, and uh, that's what we want to do. So let's start the service tonight by let's stand and uh, let's really get a hold of God and worship and, uh, and uh, give him thanks. It's a Wednesday night, but uh, God's still God, and he's the same. So let's worship him. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, God. Anybody need uh, prayer for their body tonight? Tonight's a good night to get prayer, get anointed with oil and hands laid on you. And uh, if you need that, just step up here and God will heal your body. Take care of any needs you have. Does anybody have any special requests tonight? Yes. Yeah, Elaine's mother. It's Sister Erickson's mother. <laughs> Yes. I'm running tests on my little brother to see if he's able to receive a new heart. So let's just pray for that. Yes, and let's also, keep praying for that. I've needing some financial help yes. for that. So let's yes. pray that their financing all works. Yes, let's pray that God takes care of all needs there. Yes. Remember the Watkins family, Lewis, my uncle passed away, and they'll bury him tomorrow. Yes. Yes, Debbie's family on her mother's side. Yes. Remember the McKay's. 
pray for comfort. Larry and Teresa, remember them? Larry and Teresa Bible. Anybody else? Remember my oldest son, Casey, and his wife, Jackie? God leads him to him. Anybody else? Yes. Debbie Ward. Debbie Ward? Yes, remember her tonight. Anybody else? All right, that's it. We'll take these needs to the Lord tonight in prayer. We love you, Jesus. your name brother Isaac would you uh, take an offering
relationship with God. He's someone you can count on. He knows you better than anybody knows you. He knows what you need when you need it. I want, before we turn this service over to the pastor, he's got a bunch of announcements. Uh, wonder if anybody's got a testimony they want to share tonight. Anybody's got a good word. Anybody's got something God's done for you today, last week, your life. Somebody does. He's done, he's done a lot for me. I know that. He has done so much for me. He's taken me from, from a man going nowhere to a man going somewhere. And uh, that's what's important. Amen. Anybody. Well, nobody's got a good word. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, and I was trying to, I was trying to, while we were singing that song, I'm thinking there's a scripture that says that, and she says it, that's good, Uh, yeah, God's been good to us, so we'd like to turn this service over to the pastor, and and, uh, let God have his way tonight, and help us to grow in him, we love you, pastor, and appreciate you, Thank you. God bless you, appreciate you, praise the Lord, everybody, great to see you all here, God bless you all. Of the Jones family. Amen. We are thrilled every time you're able to be here. Everyone else, we are delighted that you're able to be in the house of the Lord. Um, just a few quick announcements, if you'll allow me. Uh, so, do you think that you could help me next Tuesday do peanut brittle? Is that too soon? Can you handle that? That fits within the Sperry Church's schedule. And... Um, you know, we're just trying to do one more day. Come, you know, it would be like early afternoon if possible or whenever you get off work. And um, it would be a matter of being very similar to like what we did last time. And um, we, we do have a number of orders that have come in since we sold that allotment that we had. And uh, this is a one-time only deal now, though I'm not going to do any more after this <laughs> until we improve our, and figure out how we're going to to uh, have peanut brittle here at our church. I think we may have to find us a good gas commercial stove and get it in our kitchen uh, because we really need that to be able to really function and operate that. So uh, can you all handle that Tuesday? That'd be okay? Uh, we'll probably be there, what, two? Yeah. And uh, Diane, if you... She stepped out. Oh, th- Sneaking on, hiding on me. <laughs> um, if you need a ride, because you had mentioned that earlier, we, we'd be happy to make that happen. Or, yep, okay. All right, so, and then uh, I told you all that Brother Kraft had to change his schedule. So the 20th and 21st of November, that is the week between Women's Conference and Thanksgiving, we will have, Brother Kraft will be here. That'll be a Saturday lunch. And we'll talk about that later. And then um, he'll teach on Sunday school. And then he'll be here preaching that Sunday morning. And uh, you won't want to miss that. Uh, talk about a great, great man who's been, well, worldwide. He no doubt has got a lot of stories you could tell. But he really uh, will come and he will minister to the church. And you will really enjoy him, I promise you. And uh, he is a, such a wonderful 
spirit. He is kind, and um, he's not going to throw something in your face. He's going to encourage you and have you really uh, live for God with your whole heart. And then I think we're talking about, because of Brother Kraft can't come, that fourth and fifth is a Thursday, Friday, uh, was, you all mentioned maybe trying to do one more garage sale, and so I'm throwing that out as a date to look at. Uh, that would be a Thursday, Friday for the early, the 4th and 5th of November. And that's pretty close. Can we get stuff in by then? Talk to me. I think we're going to do and try to move a lot of that stuff out of there. We may even do like a all you can fit in a bag type of concept or something. Just whatever we can do to help to um, bless the people and and have a good sale. Okay. All right. So those are all things going on, and um, as we get into November, we'll start need to start talking about all that we're going to do for Christmas. This being our first Christmas with you, we need to figure that out. And so I'll be talking to you probably uh, before, uh, before Sunday school like we do on Sunday mornings and just kind of make sure I've, I've got the, uh, the mind of, the, of what's, what we're used to and uh, what would be good for the church here. All right? The uh, McKay, uh, McKay's funeral is tomorrow in, I think, Shakota. It's a gravesite. And um, I, I think maybe um, I might try to make that. Uh, that was chess.com. <laughs> Forgive me. Uh, I shut it off because Elaine was running me out the house. <laughs> It's all her fault. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the light. He said in John 8, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. I'm thankful for that process of truth in our lives. It's not instantaneous. It's not like a light switch going off. We're developing, we're growing. Amen? And so I, I want to talk to you tonight about convictions uh, because that that is all very important in this day and hour that we're living in. And so I feel like this is a relevant subject tonight. Um, if I had... In my hand, a, I should have gone, got my jar of marbles I have in my office. If I had that jar of marbles in my hand, I could ask you um, how many marbles are in it. And eventually, we may have to take them open and roll them on the carpet and count them. But, but we would know a, a, a true number. We could know the truth about that jar of marbles because we could know exactly how many marbles are in it. Right? It would be an absolute truth in simplistic form because there would be no question. We could count and we could know exactly how many were there. But if I asked you today, um, everybody tell me the very best flavor of ice cream. <clears throat> it probably would vary in here, wouldn't you agree? And if I told you my favorite is pistachio. Well, it isn't, but if I told you that, <laughs> I, I would have to say that that's based on a few circumstances that I would have to fall under in order to appreciate it. Number one, they don't really make pistachio except at Christmas time. And so it would have to be, and it's not very often that you find it, it's got to be a specialty ice cream or whatever. And so, it's, if I can find it, and it's at Christmas time, I really like pistachio ice cream. Well, that's not an absolute truth, is it? 
because one would say one another, and we probably have, a, if, if there's 20 of us here tonight, probably at least, um, crediting at least 10% of duplicates, at least 18 different qualities of different flavors here. So, <clears throat> I want to talk to you on this thought tonight, that your convictions are never for sale. Your convictions are never for sale. Did you know that the word conviction is not in the Bible? But there are other stories we can bring up tonight that will truly reveal a conviction. Someone felt strongly about something. Someone stood for something. Someone said, and they came to a, 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 a Y in the road, and they had to choose what was going to be based on what they knew was right versus what may be the easier road or maybe more convenient or maybe cheaper. Well, there's all sorts of things that can catch your eye. But truth is everything. And Jesus said himself, you shall know the truth. And I believe that truly he was referring to us knowing him, wasn't he? The heavens and the earth were formed because God spoke the world into existence. He had a plan. The Bible tells us about the plan, that Jesus Christ was the second Adam. Why does it say that? Because uh, the first Adam was made in his similitude. In other words, God made the first Adam because he already knew what Jesus Christ was going to look like. That's, a, that's kind of a... Uh, Oddity, isn't it? That, that, that's, that happened thousands of years before the Lord came on the scene in Bethlehem. And yet, everything was based on God's plan. He, and, and not only that, but God carried that plan forward. He said, I, I have made seed time and harvest, and it will not fail. We could, we could talk about flying all we want to, but still the law of aerodynamics, the law of gravity, that all the many different laws that are in our earth today are still valid and real. We've just learned how to honor them. In this day and time, it seems like we're seeing less and less instances of someone in our community and society and culture and certainly politics that are used as opposed to another truth that is true based on the circumstances or numerics or whatever they are. Society doesn't honor the word of God as truth today. What have they done with truth? Well, whether it was true or not, of course we know God's word is absolutely true. But what has society done is they have they have dumbed it down. They have said, we acknowledge there's a Bible. We acknowledge that there are some incredible stories. We acknowledge that there are some good sayings. But they're, they're far from saying, we believe that that word is emphatic and we must obey it. Right? So I'm, I'm thinking around the root system here tonight. I'm talking about where are are you lying tonight? What do you want to be your foundation that you build your life on? It's got to be something built around truth. It's got to be built around an absolute truth. The political world has no cognizant awareness of absolute truth. They only know, they know what is called relative truth. I know I'm not supposed to murder anybody, but if you'd seen what they were going to do to me, you'd understand why I killed them. I'm justified because I was there and you weren't. How many times do we hear that? I, I had a right because of the situation I was in. I, I had a right because I was running out of time. I, I had... Saul did this, went and offered up his own sacrifice. And when the prophet came, he said, well, I, 
I couldn't wait for you. There wasn't enough time, and the, and the people were going to leave, and I wasn't going to have an army to fight the enemy. You've heard the saying that you, if you don't believe something, you'll fall for nothing. We're living in a day and an hour where, where all this should do is point and direct our lives to the importance of God's word in your life today more than ever before. Now we could talk about the olden days when, when, when we saw some things in church that were awesome and people coming to the altar and, and different things and, and they, are, they were wonderful, exciting and, and great. But, but let me tell you today, for you to stand in this opposing world that doesn't believe in any absolutes and you literally have a conviction as a Christian to be the very best Christian you could be, that is, that is exemplary. That is incredible. And there are great payoffs and dividends when we stand for truth. We need to stand for something today. We need to believe it so that we are able literally to draw a line and say, I will go no farther. It was just a field of lentils and one of God's great warriors stood at a time when Israel was in despair and despondent, when they were far from where God wanted them to be, and yet this young man stood in that lentil field and guarded it when the enemy, when the Philistines came in like a plague of grasshoppers, and he defended it, and God honored it and blessed him. There are blessings in your conviction tonight. Now, I'm not talking about Who's more holy? Please, please, I'm not talking about holiness tonight. I'm talking about having a conviction that you believe this truth. And if, if you're, if you're wishy-washy or if you're wavering, it's okay. The good news tonight is, is that that could change. That you could see and perceive the need in your life, and you could walk out of here tonight, and you could say, you know what? By the help of God, by the grace of God, I'm going to become more and more that Christian man or woman that God wants me to be. It's our privilege to have a conviction to believe this message like never before. A conviction is not truly a conviction unless it includes a commitment to live by what we claim to believe. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And yet, one man said like this, a belief is what you hold, but a conviction is what holds you. Something's got to keep me in this field of, of gravity, spiritual gravity, you might say, tonight, that says, I will go so far, but I will not go any farther. I will, I will set my day, my course every day with this, with this conviction that I want someone to know. I want to share. I want to be a friend. I want to help. I want to be a blessing. And so we go about our day trusting that the Lord can help us. A commitment is not a vow. We're not, ah, bless God, I'm going to do this. But it is a resolution. It, I, it, my mind becomes resolute. I make up my mind. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's what conviction is. I make up my mind. And whatever it includes in that conviction that you have, it will be wonderful. We need to have this relationship with God where we are drawing closer to the Lord in our lives. That's got to become part of our daily thinking, our, our mental uh, pursuit is that I want God more and more in my life, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, not just on those special times of my prayer meeting in the morning, but I want God while I'm at my job, and I want God while I'm working on a house. I want God when I'm talking to people. Amen. And so our priority is that we have to seek God, but we will never seek the Lord without a conviction that I must seek Him, without a conviction that I know that there's a payoff for they which 
have faith, must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6. The measure of sin is not what it does to another person. That's not how we measure sin. It's not if we got caught or if we, or if we lived years with it. But we measure sin by what an affront it is to our Savior, to our God. When I could finally be impacted by my sin and say, God, I don't want this. I don't want this to hurt your, who you are in our community or in my family. I don't want this to destroy what you're doing in the city. And we are able to come and say, God, I, I am going to make this right. Please forgive me. Amen. Conviction is a is stubborn a word for it or dogmatic. The world would say it's hopelessly old-fashioned. But the question is simply this: Are you growing more and more emphatic about what you believe and why? Or are you becoming more and more distant? and more readily able to listen to the world and it's to its vices. God gives us a measure of faith and we are given the ability today to believe something in order that we could see it pursued, fulfilled. Are you living a Christian lifestyle? What does that mean? I, what I mean is that you are have a, a prayer life, whatever length of time it is, is not near as important as the, than the fact that you want to pray and seek God every day. That you honor God's word and if he'll just show you what his word says and what it means and how it relates to your life, you, you want to obey it. Without with simple premise, God can do anything in your life. Years ago, David Gibbs was a, a speaker but he said this, that conviction is something more than mere preference. I'm not going about my day looking at my options and making a choice. I'm starting my day with prayer. I'm building my life around God's word. And I am going to set my day based on those parameters. There was a YouTube clip, and I, I forgive me, I don't know the man's name. I, w I was listening to it the other day. But he, he was a man that, in the years that, that um, Mr. Wigglesworth, which is a funny name, but, but he, was, he became quite a well-known evangelist or teacher way back in the late 1800s. And um, this man uh, was very, very young when he met him when Mr. Wigglesworth was very, very old. And um, uh, they met in England, and, and this man started going. Mr. Wigglesworth invited him. He, he was the, the young man was the opening speaker at a conference, and then Mr. Wigglesworth was to follow. And so later, you know, he's a man of very few words. But he came up and put his hand on his shoulder and said, I, I want you to come see me. Of course, the young man thought he'd done something wrong. <laughs> and... Um, but only to find that over many trips over the years, they uh, built quite a time of prayer and Bible reading together. But it was, but it was this young man who, who realized and found the power of this prayer and this Bible reading with, with this great man of God and how that those things began to change his life. And his YouTube story goes on to talk about the changes that transformed him. In a courtroom today, conviction will sway a judge and give him discretion and direction. But preference never will. Because there's credibility with conviction. It, it has substance in a person's life because they are willing to, to deny so much in order that they may apprehend what is important. 
What separates your belief in the Lord from all the other religions in town? Well, we don't go around studying all those different religions. I was always told that if you want to know a counterfeit, you need to study the, the, the real thing. And when you know and you see the real money, you'll automatically know when a counterfeit pops in. And I'm not here to judge other religions tonight, but what I want to say is, is that I want, I want to come to a church because I believe what they believe. And I want to stand for what they stand for. I don't want it to be because the pastor might call me. I don't want some lesser uh, reasoning that I'm just doing it to get by. But I want to do it because God will bless it. Amen. All of this is to tell you tonight, God wants to bless your life in a new way that you never thought was possible. And it can, the, very, the very key to opening and unlocking that door can be the very thing that you begin to build. Let your yay be yay and let your nay be nay. Amen. One writer said that tolerance seems to reveal the difference between preference and conviction. So many people in the world today, they don't no longer measure conviction. As a matter of fact, they're saying now that that's, that's not good, that's bad. That you're, you're, a, you know, you're out there, you're a terrorist. <clears throat> Society reserves their understanding and compassion only for those who change to show their tolerance. But those who stand for conviction, well, it's never been a promised fun road always, but always God will be true, and always victory will come to those who stand for what they believe. Those who don't change to tolerance are held and held up as in contempt. Society measures polls. They want to know what the moral majority says. They believe in safety in numbers. But if we look through Scripture tonight, we'll find that God always honors the individual who stands for what they believe. What was once accepted as a norm of good living was to have convictions. Today is now merely ancient history. Society now will only make room for those who favor the political sway. Abortion, unwed motherhood, all the different facets of our world that society now approves, this transitional lives of, of uh, whatever you say that you are, you are. All of these things are dangerous ground. But they're all a byproduct of someone not standing for a conviction. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Look at Mark 13 and 13. <clears throat> Jesus said, and ye shall be hated of all men. How many of them? All men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Our world says you can't have conviction and tolerance. It's got to be one or the other. But really, Jesus could say to a woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more and find a measured mercy and grace and truth for her life. No, tolerance is part of our Christian walk. We're just not supposed to change our conviction in order to say. But we are not here to judge one another. But we are here to stand true on what we believe. Amen. Jesus is one of our greatest examples. Think about this. Really, he held strongly to his conviction, didn't he? I mean, he was willing to go all the way to death for you and I. He didn't ever bow to pressure. There was no political or there was no emotional or physical or psychological pressure that ever swayed him. 
Herod, Pilate, the Pharisees, the Roman soldiers. Oh, they all felt like they could manipulate him in one way or another, but he never swayed. His message stayed true. And he also not only was a God of absolute truth, but he was a God of love and mercy. Discomfort, inconvenience, loneliness, fear, none of these stopped Jesus from accomplishing his Father's will. He didn't bow, he didn't bend, he didn't break. The plan of God was fulfilled. Victory was won. Great things happened in the kingdom of God, and now, world without end, this gospel is everlasting. All because a man stood for what was right and what he believed for the moment, and then saw the blessings for an eternity. As a church at Chelsea tonight, we need to stand strong, even against the tide of contrary opinions. For everybody has an opinion. And we already know that no group of people has the same opinion very often. But we keep on pressing on. We keep on doing what is right. We keep on doing it for the right motive. And because we love our God, amen. We must afford in our budget to have expensive convictions. We need to have room to say, this is worth it, and I'll pay the extra. I've had people talk to me about not affording the gas to go to church. I want to be patient. I want to work with them. I want them to be successful. But somewhere along the line, if you believe something, you need to commit yourself to it. To really know grace and truth, that's Jesus, isn't it? What it really means is to be able to deny all else in order to say, I'm going to live for Jesus with my whole heart. And so don't let your commitment to God's word become only a preference that while you're in the heat of the problem, you may decide to be lesser of your convictions. And, and then when everything is going good and it's a cherry lane, then, then you could say, bless God, this is what I believe. Don't do that. But set yourself who you're going to be as a Christian and live that. Amen. There are always going to be times in your life when a standard that you believe in is going to become optional. It's going to become a why in the road. And you're going to have the, the choice of making a good or, or a better decision in your life. You see, when you remove conviction out of your life, it places all the importance that we have to something lesser. You instantly have to Take down a notch your belief of God's word. You have to now put in the question, hath God said? You now have to establish, maybe they are just good stories to help keep us in line. Everything about your whole framework is really built on your convictions, isn't it? Having a preference well, there's no reaction required. I don't have to obey. Nothing is costing me anything. We don't have to be different. We could just fit in with whoever we're with. It's really just a really good chameleon, isn't it? Just taking in the colors of my atmosphere and my cir circumstance. Well, let's look now, tonight, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. I don't mean to kill you. I don't mean to, do, I don't mean to bore you tonight. Let's turn to 1 Peter 4 and read 3 and 4 first. Well, short, got a good voice, nice and loud for me. 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4. 
the church today has got to be willing to, to see this, that, that Peter's writing here and saying, you used to do all that stuff. But, but now your testimony is changing by some of your actions. Again, I told you early on this, our convictions require a lifestyle. Let's look at um, 4, 12, and 13 now. Uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, 12 through 16. Elaine, feel like reading that for me? 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. Amen. I'm not trying to paint a, uh, a horrible picture tonight. All I'm saying is that, is that there are going to be times when your convictions will, will be an affront to some and they will be a blessing to others. And it's just about going to be that way for the rest of our lives. It's just the day and hour that we're living in. But realize today that all the people who are trying to promote and make all these new rules and laws politically. They, they just have a party behind them or whatever they're working on. But when you live your life, and your life it singularly, all by itself, is known by what you believe, that is a commendation that the Lord gives to you. And he's very happy with it. One of the two examples I want to reveal to you in my closing in Scripture tonight concerning conviction in the heart. First, I think, would be Joseph. Joseph had the opportunity to go and just do whatever he had to to get by, and then he could repent and get his heart right back with God again. But Joseph said, how can I do this thing against my God when Potiphar's wife tried to lie with him. He, there was a conviction in him, even though he was in a foreign land, even though the, the house of God was not set up in that country, and, and some of that, may, they may have been looking at those things as past and bygone in the ancient times, but even still, there was a conviction in that young man's life, and he stood, and he was rewarded by that later, wasn't he? There was a cost to pay, a second maybe group of people were uh, the Rechabites in the Old Testament prophet's day. These were the people that the prophet was feeling sorry for himself like only he was hearing from God. And, and it was brought to his attention, go down, Jeremiah, to the house of the Rechabites and, and there take them a nice bottle of wine and, and go and have fellowship and talk to them. And when they went in, they... they they said, absolutely not. For our father and our grandfather uh, made a, uh, stood a line of conviction and said that as for me and my house, we will not take uh, the, the grape or the vine into, into our mouths any, uh, forever. And so the Rechabites were known in Scripture as a people that never let the vine, the wine, come into their, into their lips. And so that was quite an eye-opener for Jeremiah, wasn't it? To find out that there are people living on conviction. There's nothing more powerful than conviction today. 1 Peter 1 and, 5, 1, excuse me, 1 and 15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men, 
and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is simply being in line tonight where God is able to work through us and we are able to touch and come boldly to God and not fear our, our lifestyle, not fear our attitudes, not fear uh, something in our life being uh, perverse or wrong, but that we can come boldly to God and have this incredible relationship with God. Convictions are something that are precious when we're trying to be right and clean before the Lord. Amen. Here's my concern. Convictions cannot be transferred from one person to another. I want my boys, I have two good boys, good sons, proud of them. And they both, thankfully, are going to church. We're happy about that. But, but even all that I have learned over the years, my Bible study and time, all the services I've gone to, all the things I've seen in God's kingdom, I can't transfer any of that to those boys. I can teach them by example. But I can never plant within their heart that same spirit. They have to desire it and obtain it themselves. You can't transfer the spirit of the conviction in this church to the next generation. We can only live by example. And we can only live as a testimony of what we are doing and why, because we love God. And that, my friend, is transferable. My boys can pray like their dad. My boys can go to church like their mom and dad. Our boys can live for God like they've seen their mom and dad serve God. But one day, God's going to have to talk to them, and they also are going to have to draw a line in the sand and say, I will go no farther. I also am going to commit myself to God. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? <clears throat> you are an example to this generation. You are an example to your family. You're an example to your spouse. Amen. And what you are leaving in people's lives today is so powerful. And you have to trust that God can do all the work for the little. We just be what God wants us to be. We just desire it, Renee, with the right spirit, with the right heart, that we want to do this God's way. Amen. Won't you just lift up your hands and praise the Lord tonight. Feel the presence of the Lord here. Jesus, you are so wonderful to us. God, let there be conviction in each of our lives to, to serve God, to, to live for God, to be fervent, Lord, in prayer and, and, and supplication to your spirit. Lord, I pray that your will would be done. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. We need to be that example. Leave something for the next generation. Oh, let them remember your walk, your walk of faith, your faithfulness to God. Let them remember the things that you invested in, the things that you said were important in your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. next generation is dependent on us. Even though I can't give them my conviction, I can give them example. Even though I can't tell them what to do, I can give them an example to show them why I did what I did. And that, my friend, is so powerful. That's what the Chelsea Church is here for. It's not a matter of numeric numbers, though we, we certainly are going to see the church grow. We're thankful every one of you here tonight. But, but even more than that, the, the impact that we're making in our community, our workplace, our jobs, and our families, because the more that you make a commitment, the more that you make something of your faith and your walk with God, a conviction that you will not sway in, my friend, you are going to be blessing not only you and your family, but all those around you. Amen. Jesus, and let the world go by. I 
sing this again now. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim his promises. He will supply. We'll walk together, my Lord and I. I'll stand Let the world go by. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim his promises, he will supply. We'll walk together. the Lord. Would you love him in closing tonight? Oh Lord, let us receive the word. Lord, let us take this, Lord, and apply it to our life. Oh, to be that Christian, Lord, in this hour, Lord, to stand for what we believe. And Lord, let it be a great testimony. Let it be a sign. Let it be an example for the hour that we're living. And bless our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones, our co-workers. Lord, let the town of, of Chelsea be blessed, oh God, even as we hold to God's promises and I, we hold to them as true. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. You'll have a wonderful night. We'll see you Sunday. And uh, come for 10 o'clock Bible study over in the fellowship hall. And uh, it's a great time, real, real low-key. We'll have coffee and a few desserts. And then we'll have a wonderful service here in the morning. And looking forward to that. God bless you.